Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by UFM Underwear. Head to ufmunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN for $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me this episode to review the 38-0 win over Towson for the Gators is Will Salmon from The Athletic. Will was a sluggish performance in some areas, but the Gators still showed enough to beat an opponent that they should shut them out and uh, look like. Uh, how you're supposed to look uh, for for a good part of uh, the the game, but most importantly, not get any more players injured. Yeah, precisely. Give Florida some credit there. They are exactly where they're supposed to be at this point at 5-0, two shutout wins over the two FCS opponents on their schedule. So they handled their business. So I think there's something to be said about that. And so although it may not have been as crisp as a lot of people would have wished for, particularly Florida fans, um, and particularly with the defense in the first half. Look, they didn't give up any points. And again, they accomplished exactly what they were supposed to accomplish to this point in the season before the most arduous part of the schedule appears. Right, then. Well, I guess, you know, I had to stay behind uh, this week. I had a little minor skin procedure on on Friday, so I couldn't make it down to Gainesville. Of course, the uh, you can tell from the camera shots that the the crowd was a late arriving crowd. It also was nowhere near full capacity uh, for the swamp. Uh, probably the players were kind of the same way, sleepwalking through. I think uh, a lot of it, but still, and we'll get into it. But still, a lot of the uh, a lot of the same issues uh, crept up in this game versus Towson, and some of the issues you didn't necessarily really expect. You doing okay, man? I didn't know. I didn't know you had to go to the. Yeah, break. yeah. Just it, it is minor, but uh, wasn't supposed to get all hot and sweaty uh, gotcha. for that. So I kind of had to stay behind this time. Don't blame you, um, especially when you have to deal with something like that. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that Jonathan Gerdard actually mentioned the fact that the defense had a, had a tendency so far this year to play down to opponents, and I thought that was pretty refreshing to hear because it's, it was pretty clear that that was the case early in games. And so I don't really, I mean, when you, when you know that you're that much better, it, it, look, you want them to play a perfect game and a crisp game and, and all that. But I think it's only human nature to kind of play that way to some extent. And again, I mean, they, they gave up zero points. So they accomplished what they were supposed to accomplish. They did turn it around. And I don't think that they're going to have that issue going forward because they don't have the opportunity to play down to their opponents anymore um, because you're, you're going against an Auburn team that's uh, at, at least top 10, if not top five at this point after their performance against Mississippi State last night. And then it doesn't get a whole lot easier after that. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get into Kyle Trask, Emory Jones' performance, the struggles of the offensive line and run game once again, and the defense. But before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, like so many of you are doing now, watching us live on YouTube. So thank you so much for that. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show and on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. 
Uh, well, so yeah, we'll move on. Uh, and offense, you know, pretty much a story we're used to by now, and it's the passing game carrying the offense uh, without much help from the run game. Uh, Kyle Trask only completed his first 15 passes, Will. I mean, only his first 15. No, no big deal there. Uh, you know, pretty big accomplishment there as Kyle Trask breaks a school record for consecutive completions as he completed 18 in a row, the first 15 uh, versus Towson in the last three, uh, last week against Tennessee. Uh, completed his first 15 passes for 163 yards and a touchdown. Half At halftime, Trask was 13-13 for 139 yards and a touchdown, plus a rushing touchdown there. 7-7 seven of seven for 64 yards and a touchdown on the game's opening drive, getting the team up early again. And, well, that was a huge issue last year that uh, something the Gators kind of have figured out so far uh, that this year they scored first drive against Miami uh, the last two games as well. So it's uh, an issue that was – pretty apparent last year that they've cleaned up uh this time again two weeks in a row Trask first uh touchdown goes to Kyle Pitts so since taking over in the fourth quarter at Kentucky Trask is 47 of 61 that's 77 percent for 607 yards and four touchdowns along with two rushing touchdowns well once again I know it was Towson I know it was the opponent but then it really speaks to Trask and Mullen uh for you know having a backup that that is this capable and we'll get into it a bit later, but he's doing this without the benefit of a run game. There's a lot there that you said, but yeah, I think at the start of it, Kyle Trask, right. He sets the record, uh, racks up a ton of completions in a row. Like you said, uh, there was some soft coverage there. Let's be, mm-hmm. let's be real. Uh, the, the corners were way off. It, it allowed you that sort of underneath to be pretty much wide open for you for the taking. And, and to, to their credit, they, they took advantage of that as they should have, and they executed the way that they should have. So there's a, there's a certain degree of credit to be deserved there, and, and rightfully so. They, they got the job done, and they continue to do so, like you said. He's upward of close to about 80% on the season as far as completion rate goes. It's pretty good, right? So th- there's, there's that. He's an accurate guy. You know, he's pretty smart with the football. He's, a, he's a, as competent as it gets as a backup quarterback for this team. And so they're, they're very fortunate to have him in, in the role that they have him right now um, to be able to roll him out there at this point. And we, we saw them really execute their game plan again. And, and you mentioned the fact that the, the first halves of games or the first drives, uh, particularly the last two weeks, they, they've been good. They've been efficient. They've scored, looked good doing so. And that's despite a lack of a running game. Because over the course of the season so far, Florida has only averaged three about three yards a carry in first halves. That's the worst in the SEC. That's about 120 or so, 115, something like that in the country, just barely edging Central Michigan, by the way. So it, it's not good. And for them to still be efficient uh, just, just underscores the idea of how talented that wide receiver room is and Kyle Pitts, for that matter where you could have that as sort of a detriment, that running game, but they're able to overcome that because of just how easy those wide receivers make it because they're just so good, so talented, so good at getting open, so experienced. And so, you know, I I look at that as something that, yeah, it's certainly not ideal uh, to have that running game experience, the, the kind of issues that they're experiencing at this point. But still, it's something that I feel like can still play even against better teams just because of what you have at that receiver room. Absolutely. And if, you know, if we have to nitpick here uh, for Kyle Trask's performance, and we can see the pocket awareness, you know, not necessarily where it should be uh, right now. And, you know, part of that comes with experience. You know, he's not, he hasn't been out there a lot. hasn't had a lot of game experience, uh, starting experience for one thing, but also just not a lot of pure game experience, mainly because of injuries and not even really being able to play because of, you know, cupcake games or blowouts is because he's been injured and not being able to take part uh, in some of those games as well. So I think part the, the pocket awareness there uh, comes from being able to play more, but it's going to get ramped up, of course, coming up this week. Uh, he won't be able to hang on to the ball. Like it looks like he, I won't necessarily say he likes to hang on to the ball, but not necessarily taking risk and throwing the ball that down the field and, and necessarily and, and wants to hold on to the ball. And problem with that will is, and when we've seen it, there seems to be a chance for some turnovers when Kyle Trask is when Kyle Trask is hit. Uh, fumbles the ball when hit. We saw it in the one play where Chris Bleich, uh gets you know Olay's a defensive lineman. Trask gets hit and the ball flutters in the air. And luckily Bleich is the one who 
comes up with it. Uh, but still, you know, uh, two weeks in a row now where we've seen Kyle Trask get hit and, and a turnover happens. Yeah, I'm just not sure if he's seeking the pressure as quickly as maybe he should or, or as, as quickly as Dan Mullen wants him to and, pick, and, and being able to pick it up and, and, and then make a decision because that, that's the real thing with him. And that's what I thought when he first took over as the quarterback because like you were saying, it's it's one thing to, to get the reps in practice and, and during garbage time, but you're not getting a live rush. You're not getting pressure like that in those situations. And so that's the, that's the thing where – the game experience, the in-game experience um, really comes into play where you're just not used to it. And so I kind of expected to see a couple more sacks um, and that sort of thing uh, when, when you take away Felipe Franks and you insert Kyle Trask. And not just because Felipe Franks was pretty solid at eluding defenders and, and um, sort of getting away from that rush at times, but just because it, it, it's – not easy. I mean, it's not easy to pick that up, especially when it's coming from your blind side like it has a couple of times for Kyle Trask. Absolutely, uh, Will. So the hope, of course, was we'd see this run game come in and assert itself and maybe give a glimmer of hope uh, of some progression. It was uh, against an opponent where Florida has a big talent gap. It should be an opportunity for the offensive line just to get something going. But, Will, it was kind of the, kind of the same old, same old as far as this season goes, no matter the opponent. This offensive line has it uh, hasn't been focused. They've messed up assignments. And the most worrisome is, you know, they're just getting beat at times, no matter who the opponent is. And Muller let it be known after the game, game as well. Uh, well, he was not happy uh, with the performance there. And quote, I challenged them. This has got to improve. That has got to improve for us. The mental toughness of the offensive line and their preparation has got to improve as we move forward. Those guys have got to. I know John Hevesy gets on them. They're young guys, and quote from a player, you know, hey, no, coach, I I'm working, and Mullen kind of quickly, no, you're not. You know, you're obviously not because if you were working, we wouldn't have missed assignments, so whatever you're doing is not enough. And he goes on to say they need to do more. NCAA rules, we're not going to uh, have them here all the time, so if you want to keep doing the same thing over and over again and you're not going to improve, what are you doing at night? Everyone learns differently. Tell me, what are you what are you walking through uh, at your dorm, at your apartment? Are you drawing it? Are you watching extra film? Everybody learns in a different way, and guys have a have to learn what's the best way they can learn, what's the best way they can process information to get going, and then they've got to go do it. And if they don't, then we're not going to get better, and we've got to find someone else that can do it. In the quote, <laughs> so. I'm not sure, you know, Mullen's only been here for two years, uh, of course, or, or a season and a half. I'm not sure if I've ever really heard him call out a position group much like he did this offensive line here. He was straightforward, straight to the point. Most of it will, from reading the quotes, it does seem like it's more of a, a mental aspect of uh, of it and, and what they're doing, you know, outside of outside of practice. As, as he said, what are you drawing up? What are you looking at? What are you going through mentally? It, it, what, what processes are you going through to get better? And it's been a mix. You, know, you and I talked right before we come on here. It's been a mix mostly of, uh, as I mentioned, going into this, be, being beat mentally, not being ready mentally, uh, getting beat physically at, at times. But going back into the first four games, it did seem it was more mental mistakes than anything. If they would get to the second level, they didn't hold their block long enough. It wasn't. That's not. That's not being physical at all. That was just okay. I'm just going to tap this guy and he'll he'll move out of the way. Um, it's a it's a physical. The mental part of that is wanting to wanting to be physical, but it's not because he got the offensive lineman got beat physically. So there are there are a lot of things here uh, to point to with this offensive line. It, it is affecting uh, the offense more so. You know the running backs than the than the passing game but we all know it's symbiotic and with this schedule coming up you know Florida is going to have to find ways to to, to get this offensive line uh to grow and progress while the competition ramps up I need you to give me your best uh Dan Mullen impersonation next time you read a quote like that David <laughs> I, I could I could probably give you one next time if you want one but um there I I thought it was right on, though. I thought the message was right on. I thought it was needed. Like you said, throughout the course of his two seasons so far, Dan Mullen has not really done that. And I don't think he's really needed to either for the most part. I mean, we're talking about a team that's won the majority of their games. And 
to be real, uh, that Missouri game last year was probably the only opportunity he really had to, to do something like that. And he did for the most part. He did kind of call his team out, say that they need to be they need to care a lot more, um, have a lot more pride, be more competitive, that sort of thing. And that was a memorable speech uh, post game for him. And so I thought he, he made the right move here. And honestly, it really wasn't that surprising, because even if you go back to the spring, he said that we're in the market for a graduate transfer. Mm. I mean, he, he made that very, very clear. He was candid and, and very clear with that. And so I wasn't very surprised to hear him be completely honest um, after, after that performance, uh, because one, it's pretty obvious that the offensive line has struggled. And two, there's no more room to work out the kinks. I mean, that was it. That was that was your last opportunity to do so in a game setting uh, before the schedule uh, starts to really, really matter. And so it, it was the right timing and it was the right message from Dan Mullen. Uh, can it change? That, that's that's really that's the question. Can they improve? Can they get better? I'm not sure. You know, I mean, he talked about having um, the idea of, OK, if, if this guy's not going to do the right thing or if he's not going to improve, if he's not going to get better, if he's not going to put in the work to get better, whatever it is, we're going to make a change. Well, the problem with that is who are you going to change that guy with? Because you already implemented or inserted uh, Richard Garage into, into the mix. Uh, but that doesn't really solve the issue because you, there wasn't just one position where um, you weren't getting production out of consistently, multiple positions, at least two. Um, so who is that next guy? If you need another guy, they don't really have one, not an experienced one anyway. Uh, the, the guy that John Hevesy mentioned the other day last week was Ethan White. Reminder, Ethan White's a true freshman. So you're, you're relying on that. That's your seventh guy, essentially according to John Hevesy. So I don't know about that. Um, so it's kind of like they are the group that we knew that they were, even as back as the spring. The issue is, is that we haven't seen the improvement. And right now you'd be hard pressed to say that they're going to all of a sudden improve um, when they're going against the best defensive front they've seen all season on Saturday. Yeah, I think, you know, one place they may can improve what we'll have to see is, you know, just pure intensity, just because of these big games. But sure. yeah, I got you, right. But does that really fix any of the issues? Because, you know, of, of course, these teams are better as well. So, you know, it's a it's a catch 22 there of, of whether you think they can get better just because of pure intensity and, and pure want to, because, you know, uh, even though the intensity isn't there versus Towson, you should still be able to do what you want to do uh, in, in, in a lot of those spots. Uh, it is affecting the run game. Uh, you know, the question is now, does Damian Pierce earn more carries after his performance versus Towson? Um, six attempts, 84 yards, a big 37-yard run. Michael, Michael P. Ryan couldn't really get anything going again. Malik Davis didn't get on the field until Emory Jones took over at quarterback in the fourth quarter. Uh, I have to think his fumbling issues are, are, are the cause there. Uh, something that may help the run game is the is the insertion of Richard Garage, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, we'll kind of see – uh, it, it's showing up that the left side just a bit when they can move Heggie to, to right side uh, and, and put him at right guard in, in, in place of uh, Chris Bleich. Uh, right side of the line, clearly the weak point here, but Bleich you know, did not have uh, the best of games once again. Uh, one point in the second drive on back-to-back -back plays, he's beat where P. Ryan is tackled for a one-yard loss. Then the very next play gets beat badly in pass protection and tracks is hit and fumbles, as we alluded to earlier. So I'm definitely not saying – you know, inserting garage is the answer to fix the offensive line, but we're at the point now where maybe you have to try something different. Uh, maybe it just clicks a little more, uh, but it, it will, for the most part, we're five games into the season now. You can kind of tell they are just what they are. I agree. And I like Chris Bleich a lot. I think he has a lot of potential. I think he's going to be a pretty good offensive lineman in the SEC, actually. It's just they can't afford to have him go through the growing pains that he's going through in order and, and expect to win games against the, against their next slew of quality opponents here. And so I, I think that if, if, if Richard Rogers is playing better, then I think that he deserves more playing time. And let's, let's be honest, though. I mean, it, it didn't completely – 
make everything so much better though. It was better, but it it didn't completely eliminate all their issues. There were still a couple of runs that went for negative plays. One in particular came to mind where it was actually a Pierce run. So it's not as if that that his insertion is also going to all of a sudden make things so much better. Um, it was a Pierce run where uh, he was brought down for a loss of two yards after the offensive line uh, got beat by Towson on the play. So yeah, I mean, the, I just don't see it really changing a whole lot regardless because, again, you're, you're going with an inexperienced group as far as game action still. Um, and it's just you need you needed to see them get better over the last couple of weeks, and we haven't yeah. done that. That's really the kicker for me is that you had the opportunity to make some progress, to feel a lot better about yourselves after after the last two games or even even, you know, the last three or four games, honestly, because you had the you had the opportunities to go against a couple of SEC teams there, plus a couple of cupcake opponents, and we we're five weeks in, and Dan Mullen is calling out the offensive line, so that kind of tells you all you need to know. Right. Uh, some receiving notes uh, for the game: Kyle Pitts, four receptions for the third consecutive game this time uh, for twenty-eight yards and two touchdowns. Once Emory Jones comes in, another tight end, Keon Zipper, true freshman there, catches tunnel, a tunnel screen touchdown. So the tight end position making some plays, Will, uh, against Towson. Uh, Grimes led the way with five catches uh, the, uh, for the receivers. Uh, and they just keep doing uh, what they do. But one wrinkle that caught my eye was in goal line situations, maybe to help this run game just a little bit. Josh Hammond getting carries, motioning in from the backfield. Uh, nice little wrinkle. Maybe surprised that it came out versus Towson, but maybe you put it on tape for something for Auburn, LSU, uh, South Carolina, Georgia to prepare for. Um, we've seen the sweep that he took, of course, uh, against Kentucky uh, for the long run and, and, and the touchdown. You don't have Kadarius Tony out there who would – mainly be the guy uh, in that scenario. But uh, Josh Hammond showing his versatility out there. Definitely. He's the only guy they could use for that play, of course. And Copeland can do that play. Uh, he's that play as well. So you, you're kind of showing it. The offensive line has not gotten a good push. So they're not going. They're not going to go with QB power in those situations, or something like, or, or zone read, or you know, it's just not going to be the same thing that you saw last year. They're going to have to get creative. Everybody knows that. So um, I didn't really have an issue with like showing it or whatever the case is, because people know it. So you might as well practice it and get it in there. Um, and maybe you use it, maybe you don't. But Auburn before that game knew that that was a possibility anyway. So it's not as if like you're showing that back of their mind. Some some of that is there, sure. Yeah. going to get creative everybody knows that and I, and I think it could work to some extent they do have the playmakers like i said it's not just hammond they have all, you know three, two or three at least other guys who could run that sort of thing um even van jefferson got into the mix a little bit on that earlier uh on that earlier run as well so i mean they, they have the options and like i've said before the what gives Florida fighting chance, or you know, I, I want to go even as far as say a decent chance is their coaching staff deems a weakness or a flaw as good or better than anybody else that, that I'm aware of. Um, it, it's really a strong suit. It gives them a, it gives them a, I don't want to say advantage, but again, it, it gives them that hope that they can make it happen in the game. Um, and it could be similar to maybe even like last year against Mississippi State, where they were still working out a lot of kinks for their offensive line at that time. I think it was late September game. And that defensive front featured two first-round draft picks in Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Sin. And it was a ferocious defensive front seven. Uh, they really got after it. And lo and behold, Florida was still able to win that game, even despite not really having that great of a rushing attack because they really found a lot of success in the short passing game with screens, swing passes, that sort of thing. So it kind of depends on how, what kind of look they're getting from the defense. But their ability to scheme around flaws is something that Florida staff has, and it's something that people really hope for um, to kind of give Florida a sense that they can win this game. All right, we'll move to the defense here and and look at their performance here uh, versus Towson. But before we do, guys, you've got to try UFM underwear. It's hot, hot out there, still hot out there as October approaches. Uh, so whether you're out there tailgating or working, you need a pair of UFM underwear. 
Underwear for Men is the only brand of men's underwear that offers both isolation and support, all while keeping you cool. Unlike other pouch underwear brands that have thin mesh panels or pre-sized pouches, Underwear for Men's patented pending design prevents skin-on-skin contact and eliminates chafing. Underwear for Men is a state of Florida company and has you covered no matter the activity. Everyday underwear, athletic underwear, work underwear, or medical underwear, Underwear for Men is made for it all. Try your pair now. Head over to ufmunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN to get $5 off your pair of UFM underwear. UFM underwear, support your manhood. And here we go on the defensive side of the ball. Will the defense, while pitching a shutout, didn't necessarily put together a great performance. Third down conversions were an issue in the first half when Towson converted five of eight. Defense did rebound to hold Towson to three of seven on third down in the second half. Florida's opponents have only converted 10 of 37. That's 27% third or fourth downs in the second half this season compared to converting 18 of 38 at 47.4% in the first half. Tommy Flacco, uh, of course, you know, using his legs to escape the pocket, keep plays alive, uh, some design runs as well. well. And what should, you know, be a little bit of help for Florida in in prep for Bo Nix from Auburn and and what he was showing as well, another, you know, mobile quarterback here, not necessarily, you know, a, a bruiser type of runner, but can still make some things happen. Uh, in breakdown plays and design runs there. But, Will, plus we also saw issues tackling. Once again, maybe we can kind of chalk that up to intensity, kind of like with this offensive line. Hopefully it's an issue. It got better after the Miami game. Still has been a a minor issue as we moved through the season, but really showed up big uh, against Towson again. Is there issues issues we've seen at times this season with the defense showing that the that 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 Ben don't break mentality versus uh, Towson? Yeah, as a college football fan, I was kind of entertained by a lot of things that Towson was doing. I mean, they, they, their offense looked kind of enter, entertaining and fun, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and Flacco did a pretty good job with uh, with his eyes and with his pump fakes and all that. So, I, I do give Towson some credit. I mean, they they came in. Uh, looking to run their offense. And I mean, Flacco looked like a pretty competent QB there, um, especially for that level that they play on. So good, 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 good sort of scheme and plan for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the offense, uh, the defensive tackling was an issue there. And, and like you said, I think some of it could be chalked up to intensity or lack thereof. That should be sured up going forward uh, because, because um, you know, it, it was an issue in the week zero game against Miami, but we did see them clean it up afterward. And then when they have a bunch of guys missing again, plus it's an inferior opponent, I don't know. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to kind of switch things up. I mean, sure things up again, uh, especially against a quality opponent in Auburn. So I'm not really that concerned. I think when you look at the sort of amount of concerns on Florida's list, yeah, it's there, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like the containment of the quarterback is probably a bigger deal uh, because that's something that they had a little bit of trouble with last year as well, particularly against Kentucky. may have happened again, but I'm not remembering. But um, it, it's not an easy thing, though, at the same time. I mean, we see a bunch of teams across the country just have trouble with uh, these dual-threat QBs who, who can make things happen um, on the ground as well. It's just not an easy thing. That's why these guys have some success. So – there, there, that's more of an issue for me, um, particularly when you're talking about Bo Nix and Auburn, because he did some of those things against Mississippi State, and it, it was a difference for them, I felt like. And so you look at their them being healthy, though, with, with Florida, maybe Jabari's unique helps on that edge, so that's not as big of an issue, because I think you were asking a lot of a guy like Jeremiah Moon and some other guys to, to kind of do that consistently over the course of a of an entire game, or at least during the meaningful periods of the game. And so when you have that depth and you can lean on some other guys for that, it, it, in theory, it should help a lot. So I'm not really overly concerned about the defense. I think they're going to be fine. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I look at I look at the missed tackles, and I understand that it can be frustrating for Florida fans. But again, I, I just think that once they get guys healthy, I mean, they were playing without. Um, Henderson, Zuniga, Ventral Miller, Sean Davis. I mean, you're talking about some of their best tacklers there, and, and those guys were missing from the game, and they are all expected to play Saturday against Auburn. Yeah, QB contain, uh, going back to that, I, I do think once you get the pairing of Grenard and Zuniga back, that, that helps there. There were times we saw Moon spying um, uh, a Flacco there. I think maybe in the future, if, if Florida's going to use a spy for quarterbacks, maybe Bernie. 
probably the best option there and uh, what he can do. Uh, good for him leading the team in tackles yesterday, uh, of course, uh, as well. But all in all, Will, the, the defense did get a shutout, only gave up 248 yards. Big factor, creating four turnovers. Florida entered Saturday as one of 17 FBS teams with multiple interceptions in multiple games this season, and it recorded its third such game versus Towson. Uh, Gators had just two takeaways in the first two games, but they have 11 in the last three games. Um, Florida entered the Towson game with a three-way tie for the FBS lead with 20 sacks. Will, four more, so <laughs> 24 for the Gators. Uh, kind of ridiculous stat right there. Uh, 24 sacks for the season. And, and, hey, Brad Stewart and Mahmoud Diabate recorded their first career sacks uh, in, in those four uh, there. So, I'm Will, I'm like you uh, – the defense, I'm still, even with those issues that crept up uh, against Towson, that's still not too big of a worry for me, mainly because of some guys who were missing. I do think the intensity gets ramped up there. And, you know, you, the transitive property can get you in trouble a lot in sports <laughs> because, you know, just because Florida had a little bit of struggle versus Towson and Auburn, you know, just puts it on Mississippi State. It's, you know that doesn't mean you're gonna get the same two teams uh, next week. Uh, you know last week, last year uh, for a good example, Florida beating LSU. LSU goes in the next week, trounces Georgia. You know nobody saw that coming. So you know, you're gonna get a different team every week. And I think you know I think for the offense, the offensive line, I think the issue there it is more of an issue that. I think we know it's probably going to stay uh, as the season goes along. But as far as the defense there, I just uh, – I still can't help. And maybe it's some orange and blue glasses a little bit, but I still can't help that these guys will be fine in the long run. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, but I understand the other side of it because, I mean, Towson, th those turnovers were, were very timely. Let's put it that yeah. way. Florida last night. And what we, what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, maybe even if – I think it was last maybe, eh, maybe two weeks ago. Um, we were talking about turnovers and the lack of it for Florida's defense, and I was like, "Well, you know, some of that's luck uh, when it comes to turnovers. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Uh, tip passes, um, you know, f bounce ball on a fumble going your way, and you and you recover it, that sort of thing. It's it's going to happen." Um, but it's, it's how many times you put yourself in the position for that to be in your favor. That, I think, is some some level of skill there. And so we, we have seen Florida clamp down defensively, again, show up when it matters and get the job done. Uh, but, yeah, the, the turnovers were very, very helpful. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Well, do you think the, the defensive rotation is pretty much where it's at now? Do you think? To keep Bernie at linebacker, or move maybe move him out to star, maybe move Trey Dean uh, around a little bit. I mean, we know these guys are versatile anyway, and and, and when they were signed and, and brought into to Florida, we knew Bernie could play safety or linebacker or or, or star. Um, you know, maybe to get the the best guys on the field because we, I mean, we've been impressed with what Ventro Miller's done so far. He's missed some games too, but to get him and Bernie on the field at the same time, and maybe in pairing with Dean as well. Uh, do you move uh, maybe Bernie to, to to star to bring in Miller and let him play beside David Reese and, and move Bernie back to maybe uh, a safety just to get your best guys on the field? Sometimes I, I think you do, but it depends clearly on the on the situation that you're facing at a given time. So I think yeah, yeah possibility. But like so, for example, like third down, right? On, on a third down, passing down, I expect Bernie to be on the field. I expect him to be covering somebody um, and making sure that guy stops before the first down marker because he's really good at that. That's that's one of the main reasons why he's playing that linebacker position. So that's the sort of thing that I would – so it's like – and and could could Ventrell be on the field as well at that same, at that same time? Sure, because he, he's been really adept at, at blitzing and, and getting to the quarterback very quickly when he's been on the field and when he's been asked to do that. So I don't know. It just really depends on what the intent is because Todd Grantham has the pieces that he could play with. And so I expect to see a bunch of different variations over the course of the, over the course of the next couple of games, depending on what situation, what the situation is particularly calling for. And that's where you can really mix and match things and and take advantage of that versatility that's that a lot of these guys have for that matter um because we've seen even like jabari zuniga jeremiah moon and jonathan Gernard 
really play a lot of percent of the, percent of the snaps on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we could also see um, against Auburn um, and even going forward after that too. So there's a lot of mixing and matching that can be done. I thought uh, last night was not the best game for Trey Dean, yeah. but the staff remains pretty high on that guy. Um, they have a firm belief that he can get the job done. They like the experience that he had last year. They won a lot of games with him. Um, on the field, so they feel confident in him, and I think that yesterday may may have been uh, not the best game for him. But again, it was one game, um, and I feel like his skill set does play pretty well for that nickel position. Still, um, I didn't think it would be that as much of a drop off as it sometimes appears to be between him and Chauncey Gardner. Uh, but again, it's a new position for him, um, so I, I think it's going to take up take a little bit of time or it's taking a little bit of time just because of that, because I feel like the skill set is there for him. Not to be overlooked, Will, the Florida special teams uh, blocked its first field goal since September 1st, 2018. That was the opener last year uh, against Charleston Southern. Uh, That was the last time Florida blocked a field goal attempt, and that was the final play of the first half there. And also not to be overlooked, uh, of course, the Evan McPherson 42-yard field goal uh, he's made 23 of his 26 career field goal attempts. Is 88 percent there, so uh, always can be counted on uh, Evan uh, Evan McPherson there. So when it's all said and done, will the Gators have won nine consecutive games for the first time since the school record 22 game winning streak that spanned the final 10 games of 2008 and the first 12 games of 2009. Florida's winning streak is also the longest active streak in the SEC and is tied with App State for the third longest active FBS streak. That's behind Clemson with 18 and Ohio State with 10. The Gators have outscored their opponents 91 to 3 over the last nine quarters, and they're outscoring opponents 105 to 17 in the second half of the season. With well, a schedule probably hasn't looked as tough as what we thought it did coming into the season. Uh, Miami's not as good as we thought. Even after the game, we thought Miami could be a top twenty-five team when that game was played. But they're, uh, you know, they're still not uh, doing so well uh, in the ACC. As I said last week, barely escaped uh, Central Michigan uh, and Jim McElwain last week. Kentucky has just fallen off since the the, the played valiantly uh, versus Florida. Sawyer Smith there as well. He got injured last week versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State romped them. South Carolina put it to him uh yesterday as well so you know kentucky win not looking at, as good as it did tennessee's tennessee so with this big stretch coming up you know florida florida's been tested uh but maybe by not some of the uh the, the best opponents out there no um i mean look they're, they're again they're where they're supposed to be at this point yep and and it's easy to kind of look at miami and kentucky and say wow they stink but at the time those were pretty good opponents you know i mean like we look at that as pretty good tests and matchups. So you can't really take a whole lot. Like you can't just all of a sudden say, okay, well, those games don't matter. Or those, those were still tough wins to come by for Florida. And they showed a lot of character, they, taking care of their business fairly efficiently. Um, and, and they've responded well to things. Uh, they, they've come from behind times. So we, we've seen some good character out of this team. Uh, they, have, they play with a lot of pride on both ends, uh, especially on defense, but really on both sides of the ball. And so there is a lot to see. There's a lot to like there with Florida. The problem is, is that their 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 rewards are pretty pretty obvious for everybody to see. So there, there's plenty to like with Florida. I mean, Kyle Trask has stepped in, done some good things, has has, has been really good at their at the quarterback position for them. Defense has racked up a bunch of turnovers and sacks and and created a lot of havoc. Um, and the wide receivers are the wide receivers. They're going to make things happen for Florida's offense. But yeah, I mean. Part of part of their wins and, and part of the long streak is a product of uh, a softer schedule. But you know, I mean, five and zero. You outlined the the scoring differential, so it's not as if they're they're just getting here by the seat of their pants. I mean, they, they they've accomplished what they should have accomplished at this point. All right, some uh, reaction to some of our listeners here. Uh, Ryan at Go Gators for Life says it wasn't very clean, but a win is a win. And we are going to be healthy for Auburn. There wasn't much excitement in the game, which is why we need to stop scheduling these type of games. No one is interested, including the players. 
well, that kind of spoke to a lot of what we talked about, the intensity or lack of intensity uh, for these types of games. These games aren't going to go away. Uh, I think we will see less of them, but they're not going to go away. Part of it is, you know, it helps fund these programs, uh, these smaller programs. And, uh, you know, that's just part of what college football, uh, a necessary evil uh, of college football. If you don't like these cupcake games, I, I don't necessarily like them, uh, but uh, they are part of college football there. And, and it does, you know, you can tell in the stands and all that stuff, but still, you know, Florida's making a lot of money yesterday, even though with a, with a, with, a, with not a sold out stadium. Sure, and, and scheduling has changed, and Florida Florida's uh, way of scheduling games has changed too under Scott Strickland, who has obviously realized that one, you need to get fans interested and into the stadium, and two, it affects subjectively how you are looked at for the college football playoff if you're a premier program. And so, yeah, you got to schedule up and schedule better teams and they're doing that they inherited these schedules featuring multiple fcs schools and they've made it clear um that what their goals are of a certain amount of power five opponents and they're and they're getting to that i mean we see that with utah scheduling colorado texas uh miami so it's it'll be better in time um but yeah i mean it's a hard sell for you to get to for you to travel um and make it to this game, especially, you know, when, what, 90 degree? Actually, the weather was pretty fine yesterday, actually, but still, um, it's a pretty hard sell for me. No, I will get to a lot of these right now, of course. Uh, a lot of these are, are going to be concerns uh, that the fans are sharing uh, here. Uh, Daddy, Daddy Pop Pop says, uh, young guys need to study their assignments more. Still looking for the offensive line to attack with a killer mentality in the run game. Defense needs to get off the field more often on third down. Sean Hankins uh, says, we walked out of the stadium injury-free. The run game is a real concern. Swing passes in the screen game will have to supplement the run game for the rest of the season. I'm feeling less confident going into the gauntlet than I was week one. So there we go with uh, that last part there. A lot of expectations coming into this season. Uh, some things have changed. Uh, you know, I looked uh, our episode last week, uh, Will Miles and I you kind of broke down. It, it was a different-looking 4-0 start than we envisioned coming into the season because of the injuries, because of the offensive line. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, expectations. Uh, I can tell just go looking through Gator Nation uh, tweets and message boards. Uh, expectations have been tempered a bit. Still very excited. Still um, looking forward to this game versus Auburn, which will tell us a whole lot about this team, I think. We, we, we know a lot about this team. But I still think there, I, I, st- I still do think there's an extra step this team can and, and will take. I still think there may be some creativity out there we haven't seen uh, with the playbook. There's going to have to be to mask this offensive line. You, you can only mask it so much, though. When you're, when you're in the SEC and the offensive line is your main issue, that, that's hard to mask. Uh, but, you know, as you said earlier, this coaching staff is the, probably one of the best in the nation to be able to do that. Uh, we will see some we will see some swings. We will see some uh, screens. That's one reason I, I know we keep looking at Damian Pierce getting more carries than the Michael P. Ryan. But with the, this offensive line, I still think P. Ryan has a big part of this offense because of his use out of the backfield as a receiver. They can motion him outside as a receiver. They can line him up as a receiver. And he's a pretty good uh, blocker as well uh, at the running back position, something that I think we will ne- definitely need moving forward with the, with the schedule. So while, you know, while running the ball, yes, we'd like to see Pierce get more carries. I still think in maybe passing situations, LaMichael Piran still will be the running back we'll see most out there. Sure. And I think they motioned uh, Piran out of the backfield, line him up at wide receiver at least one time that I remember. And, Really, they got a pretty good matchup with it. I think a linebacker went over to cover P. Ryan, and you would think that that would be where they went, but they actually went somewhere else. I think it was actually the Kyle Pitts. It uh, could be off there, but um, it was to somebody else, and that just goes to show you that you know there, there's a little bit of a catch-a-mouse mind game that you could play uh, when you're doing that because simple logic is, okay, they're getting the matchup they want. Look for the ball to go to P. Ryan. That wasn't the case. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect that, too. Um, the, the game will confirm one of two things. Either their their problems are too big to overcome and it's going to hinder them the rest of the season, like it's like some people expect, or that they could coach around it and they could find a way to win and they could persevere through it despite it. Uh, one of those two things will happen, of course, and we'll finally be able to see it um, for ourselves what the case is. 
But as far as expectations, really, um, I feel like these these as if like this was. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. I think your internet's cutting out. I'll give you a second to uh, to come back around uh, here. So uh, yeah, I think it's frozen uh, on there. So uh, yeah, I can keep an eye on it and see if uh, your video ends up getting better. I'll read a couple more tweets here uh, while we're at it. Robert Guagliardo uh, says defense was making plays when it needed to in the first half. Clamp down in the second with the starters. Trask efficient again. Jones looks good too. Light Mullen opening up the playbook to get run game going. Uh, Light for Pierce to see more carries, but overall run game not great. Um, Chad Harrison says, uh, don't miss three touchdowns. Drop the pick six. Uh, Jadon Hill there. Copeland dropped the pass in the end zone. Jefferson overthrown when he was wide open. Offensive line, uh, weak first half. D gave up too many on the ground. So, Will, there's some, some – and uh, I do have you back uh, good. So, yeah. Uh, some silver lining there uh, as well. Uh, if you want to finish your previous point, you can go right ahead uh, as well. But uh, some, you know, so, some silver lining here as well. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying that whatever the expectations, if, if they've been tampered, tampered, tempered at all, I feel like they're in line with what they probably should have been at the start of the season because it wasn't. A, it, this isn't a big surprise. The offensive line and the depth of the defense, and and that being a little bit questionable in some areas, that also wasn't that. All right, well, internet again, so it's it's fine. I can uh oh, I think I got you back. Oh, it's fine. We'll uh we'll figure we'll figure this out. I can I'll finish I'll finish the episode up with the uh with the tweets and uh what what happened around in the SEC and other scores as well uh there but uh yeah i think uh i think the internet's cutting out just a bit it happened earlier in the episode too but uh we'll uh we'll get by it oh there you are you're you're back <laughs> i don't know man it's it's been iffy today i don't know what the what the source of the issue is but the kind of finally i hope at least uh cross the t on that point i just looked at this year as like a nine and three sort of campaign for florida uh maybe ten and two um and that's kind of like what they're in line to 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 accomplish on if you're looking at it from like a, a bright side of it or optimistically. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like the, the expectations, if they've been brought down a little bit, they're probably in line to what I expected from this team. Yeah. So yeah, everything's with, with the five and a start, you know, everything's still, still there uh, for, uh, for the, for, uh, for whatever your expectation was, but as Will said earlier, just, you know, we'll find out a lot about what this team is made of and, and, and if the coaching staff can mask deficiencies or uh, if those deficiencies will end up uh, costing costing some losses here uh, for the Gators. So let's take a look around the SEC uh, and what happened here. Texas A&M escaped Arkansas 31-27. to uh, Pretty ugly game for Texas A&M. And Arkansas uh, really, really fought hard uh, there that game in the neutral site in Arlington and uh, had a good chance uh, to beat Texas A&M, but uh, ended up coming up short. Vanderbilt, a squeaker, 24 to 18 over Northern Illinois. After a slow start, Alabama puts it on Ole Miss, 59 to 31. Um, you know, Smith, the receiver there for um, Alabama, crazy, crazy day. I think five touchdowns there receiving uh, there. Towson loses to Florida, 38 to nothing, of course, and then Game we all had our eyes on Auburn fifty six Mississippi State twenty three a game that wasn't close from the get go a uh, big statement there by Auburn as they get get up early score often uh, that game was never in doubt and as I mentioned earlier South Carolina beats Kentucky twenty four to seven there so uh, Kentucky not being able to uh, get much done under Sawyer Smith he's injured uh, a bit was injured in that Mississippi State game but not necessarily um, you know not the not the Team we thought they were uh, after the Florida game. Will anything catch your eye around the SEC yesterday? Uh, Mississippi State's dog got trampled on. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was unfortunate. I'm waiting for uh, waiting for Peter to come out about that. I'm sure it has. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean that was kind of like I think I think we talked about the Auburn game a little bit last week, and I kind of expected yeah. sort of a blowout just because I just didn't really feel that confident in Florida. Florida. Uh, 
excuse me, Mississippi State's defense uh, is just not the same as it was last year. So uh, that was a big thing for me. All right, and then when uh, FSU uh, looking a little bit better, uh, beat F- beat NC State thirty-one to thirteen. So two two wins in a row there for the Seminoles as they look to turn around uh, their season uh, and get better. Well, of course, the announcement uh, was late, late Saturday night, but ESPN's College Game Day will be in Gainesville for the first time since 2012 for the matchup for Florida and Auburn. Uh, It will mark the 40th time game day uh, that Florida has appeared on game day. That's the third highest total in the country. Uh, This morning, uh, Sunday morning, as we record this, around 8 a.m., Florida released. They're going to I mean, we kind of saw this coming there with all the hints and everything, but throwback jerseys uh, for the homecoming game versus Albert, Auburn as well. So, will a lot of hype surrounding this Florida-Auburn matchup, a top-10 matchup. Game day is going to be in town, special uniforms, uh, homecoming, everything. Uh, Florida's pulling out all the stops for this one. And it's the CBS game too, right? National That's right. Game. Yeah, it is the CBS yeah, 30 game. Yep. Everything. And it's, it's everything it should be too. I mean, this is big. Um, this is uh, has playoff implications. So sure. I mean, both teams, a, a statement is to be had one way or the other. Absolutely. So Gainesville will be rocking all all week for homecoming, of course, and then Saturday will be get there early because it, it will be it will be a kind of a kind of a crazy atmosphere uh, as game day returns to Gainesville for the first time since 2012. Well, what you got coming up on the athletic in the next few days? Well, I'll definitely be focusing on just how Florida can actually win this game against Auburn. I feel like that that will probably take up a, a good portion of my time uh, this week and just looking at that matchup and trying to focus on on what to sort of expect on Saturday. I feel like that's a, it's, a, it's almost a make or break for, for Florida's season as far as what their aspirations are. Um, so definitely that would be a, a strong focus at the athletic. Um, plus, I mean, we also offer a bunch of national stories as well in college football. Last week we did a, a series on college football and food with the spread. So that, of course, had me work on a story on Shannon Schnell, the former offensive lineman from Florida, who is now an ambassador for Sunny's Barbecue. So sappy with that one. That was a fun one to do. So I'm sure we got a bunch of other fun stuff coming up on, on the works at theathletic.com. Absolutely. Catch, uh, catch Will and his work there. Um, and Will, I mean – I kind of was kidding about it before we come on, but not much analysis is needed for Florida Auburn because I've already been told by a lot of the Florida fan base, Florida's going to lose because they're wearing white helmets. So I, I just call it a week then. Yeah, we, uh, us both. It's, it'd be easy prep week this week. We don't have to worry about it. So. I saw as much as I need to see for Sistowson. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. That's Will Salmon. You can find his work at The Athletic and on Twitter at Will Salmon. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Florida beats Towson 38 nothing. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.